Good morning. Today is Tuesday, the 24th of September. Our readings for this morning are Psalm 78, verses 1 through 3 and 9, or maybe that's 1 through 39. Uh, there's an extra space in my reading guide here. I'm guessing 1 through 39. 2 Kings 5, 19 through 27. 1 Corinthians 5, 1 through 8, and Matthew 5, 27 through 37. Send out your light and your truth, that they may lead me, and bring me to your holy hill and to your dwelling. Dearly beloved, we have come together in the presence of Almighty God, our Heavenly Parent, to set forth God's praise, to hear God's holy word, and to ask for ourselves and on behalf of others those things that are necessary for our life and our salvation. And so that we may prepare ourselves in heart and mind to worship God, let us kneel in silence and with penitent and obedient hearts confess our sins, that we may obtain forgiveness by God's infinite goodness and mercy. Most merciful God, we confess that we have sinned against you in thought, word, and deed, by what we have done and by what we have left undone. We have not loved you with our whole heart. We have not loved our neighbors as ourselves. We are truly sorry, and we humbly repent. For the sake of your Son, Jesus Christ, have mercy on us and forgive us, that we may delight in your will and walk in your ways, to the glory of your name. Amen. Almighty God, have mercy on us. Forgive us all our sins through the grace of Jesus Christ. Strengthen us in goodness in all goodness, and by the power of the Holy Spirit, keep us in eternal life. Amen. O God, let our mouth proclaim your praise and your glory all the day long. God is spirit, and those who worship must worship in spirit and in truth. Come, let us sing to God, let us shout for joy to the rock of our salvation. Let us come before God's presence with thanksgiving, and raise a loud shout to God with psalms. For God is a great God, and a great ruler above all gods. In God's hand are the caverns of the earth, and the heights of the hills are God's also. The sea is God's, for God made it, and God's hands have molded the dry land. Come, let us bow down and bend the knee, and kneel before God our Maker. For God is our God, and we are the people of God's pasture and the sheep of God's hand. Would that today you would hearken to God's voice. God is spirit, and those who worship must worship in spirit and in truth. Psalm 78, verses 1 through 39. Give ear, O my people, to my teaching. Incline your ears to the words of my mouth. I will open my mouth in a parable. I will utter dark sayings from of old, things that we have heard and known that our ancestors have told us. We will not hide them from their children. We will tell to the coming generation the glorious deeds of God and God's might and the wonders that God has done. God established a decree in Jacob and appointed a law in Israel which he commanded our ancestors to teach to their children, that the next generation might know them, the children yet unborn, and rise up and tell them to their children, 
so that they should set their hope in God and not forget the works of God, but keep God's commandments, and that they should not be like their ancestors, a stubborn and rebellious generation, a generation whose heart was not steadfast, whose spirit was not faithful to God. The Ephraimites, armed with the bow, turned back on the day of battle. They did not keep God's covenant, but refused to walk according to his law. They forgot what God had done and the miracles that God had shown them. In the sight of their ancestors, God worked marvels in the land of Egypt, in the fields of Zoan. He divided the sea and let them pass through it, and made the waters stand like a heap. In the daytime he led them with a cloud, and all night long with a fiery light. He split rocks open in the wilderness, and gave them drink abundantly as from the deep. He made streams come out of the rock, and caused waters to flow down like rivers. Yet they stints yet they sinned still more against God, rebelling against the Most High in the desert. They tested God in their heart by demanding the food they craved. They spoke against God, saying, Can God spread a table in the wilderness? Even though God struck the rock so that water gushed out and torrents overflowed, can God also give bread or provide meat for God's people? Therefore, when the Lord heard, when God heard, God was full of rage, a fire was kindled against Jacob, God's anger mounted against Israel, because they had no faith in God and did not trust God's saving power. Yet God commanded the skies above and opened the doors of heaven. God rained down on them manna to eat and gave them the grain of heaven. Mortals ate of the bread of angels. God sent them food in abundance. God caused the east wind to blow in the heavens, and by his power he led out the south wind. He rained flesh upon them like dust, winged birds like the sand of the seas. God let them fall within their camp, all around their dwellings. And they ate and were well filled, for God gave them what they craved. But before they had satisfied their craving, while the food was still in their mouths, the anger of God rose against them, and he killed the strongest of them, and laid low the flower of Israel. In spite of all this they still sinned. They did not believe in God's wonders. So he made their days vanish like a breath, and their years in terror. When, he, when God killed them, they sought for God. They repented and sought God earnestly. They remembered that God was their rock, the Most High God their Redeemer, but they flattered God with their mouths. They lied to God with their tongues. Their heart was not steadfast toward God. They were not true to God's co covenant. Yet God, being compassionate, forgave their iniquity and did not destroy them. Often God restrained God's anger and did not stir up all God's wrath. God remembered that they were but flesh, a wind that passes and does not come again. Praise to the holy and undivided Trinity, one God, as it was in the beginning, is now, and will be forever. Amen. A reading from 2 Kings chapter 5, verses 19 through 27. He said to him, Go in peace. But when Naaman had gone from him a short distance, Gehazi, the servant of Elisha, the man of God, thought, My master has let that Aramean Naaman go off too lightly by not accepting from him what he offered. As the Lord lives, I will run after him and get something out of him. So Gehazi went after Naaman. When Naaman saw someone running after him, 
He jumped down from the chariot to meet him and said, Is everything all right? He replied, Yes, but my master has sent me to say, Two members of a company of prophets have just come to me from the hill country of Ephraim. Please give them a talent of silver and two changes of clothing. Naaman said, Please accept two talents. He urged him and tied up two talents of silver in two bags with two changes of clothing and gave them to two of his servants, who carried them in front of Gehazi. When he came to the citadel, he took the bags from them and stored them inside. He dismissed the men, and they left. He went in and stood before his master, and Elisha said to him, Where have you been, Gehazi? He answered, Your servant has not gone anywhere at all. But he said to him, Did I not go with you in spirit when someone left his chariot to meet you? Is this a time to accept clothing, to accept money and to accept clothing, olive orchards and vineyards, sheep and oxen, and male and female slaves? Therefore the leprosy of Naaman shall cling to you and to your descendants forever. So he left his presence leprous, as white as snow. Hear what the Spirit is saying to God's people. Thanks be to God. Canticle B, a song of pilgrimage. Before I ventured forth, even while I was very young, I sought wisdom openly in my prayer. In the forecourts of the temple I asked for her, and I will seek her to the end. From first blossom to early fruit, she has been the delight of my heart. My foot has kept firmly to the true path. Diligently from my youth have I pursued her. I inclined my ear a little and received her. I found for myself much wisdom and became adept in her. To the one who gives me wisdom will I give glory, for I have resolved to live according to her way. From the beginning I gained courage from her. Therefore I will not be forsaken. In my inmost being I have been stirred to seek her. Therefore have I gained a good possession. As my reward the Almighty has given me the gift of language. And with it will I offer praise to the God, praise to God, praise to the holy and undivided Trinity, one God, as it was in the beginning, is now, and will be forever. Amen. A reading from 1 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 1 through 8. It is actually reported that there is sexual immorality among you, and of a kind that is not found even among pagans, for a man is living with his father's wife. And you are arrogant. Should you not rather have mourned, so that he who has done this would have been removed from among you? For though absent in body, I am present in spirit, and if present, I have already pronounced judgment in the name of God, Je in, the bleh, in the name of Jesus, on the man who has done such a thing. When you are assembled, and my spirit is present with the power of of, of Jesus, you are to hand this man over to Satan for the destruction of the flesh, so that his spirit may be saved in the day of the Lord. Your boasting is not a good thing. Do you not know that a little yeast leavens the whole batch of dough? Clean out the old yeast, so that you may be a new batch, as you really are unleavened. For our Paschal Lamb, Christ, has been sacrificed. Therefore, let us celebrate the festival, not with the old yeast, the yeast of, yeast of malice and evil, but with the unleavened bread of sincerity and truth. Hear what the Spirit is saying to God's people. Thanks be to God.
Canticle M, A Song of Faith, <laughs> A Song of Faith, please forgive me. Blessed be God and parent of our Lord Jesus Christ. By divine mercy, we have a new birth into a living hope. Through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, we have an inheritance that is imperishable in heaven. The ransom that was paid to free us was not paid in silver or gold, but in the precious blood of Christ, the lamb without spot or stain. God raised Jesus from the dead and gave him glory so that we might have faith and hope in God. Praise to the holy and undivided Trinity, one God, as it was in the beginning, is now, and will be forever. Amen. The Holy Gospel of our God, Jesus Christ, according to Matthew. Glory to you, God Christ. Matthew chapter 5, verses 27 through 37. You have heard that it was said, you shall not commit adultery. But I say to you that everyone who looks at a woman with lust has already committed adultery with her in his heart. If your right eye causes you to sin, tear it out and throw it away. It is better for you to lose one of your members than for your whole body to be thrown into hell. And if your right hand causes you to sin, cut it off and throw it away. For it is better for you to lose one of your members than for your whole body to go into hell. It was also said, whoever divorces his wife, let him give her a certificate of divorce. But I say to you that anyone who divorces his wife, except on the ground of unchastity, causes her to commit adultery, and whoever marries a divorced woman commits adultery. Again, you have heard that it was said to those of ancient times, You shall not swear falsely, but carry out the vows you have made to the Lord. But I say to you, do not swear at all, either by heaven, for it is the throne of God, or by the earth, for it is God's footstool, or by Jerusalem, for it is the city of the great king. And do not swear by your head, for you cannot make one hair white or black. Let your word be yes, yes, or no, no. Anything more than this comes from the evil one. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Christ. Let's affirm our faith together with the Apostles' Creed. I believe in God, the Parent Almighty, Creator of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, God's only Son, our God. He was conceived by the power of the Holy Spirit and born of the Virgin Mary. He suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended to the dead. On the third day he rose again. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father, at the right hand of the parent, excuse me. He will come again to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. God be with you and with all of us. Let us pray. Our parent in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your sovereignty come, your will be done on earth as in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. Forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. Save us from the time of trial and deliver us from evil. For the sovereignty, the power, and the glory are yours, now and forever. Amen.
We're going to use Suffragist Set A, found on page 97 of the Book of Common Prayer. Show us your mercy, O God, and grant us your salvation. Clothe your ministers with righteousness. Let your people sing with joy. Give peace, O God, in all the world, for only in you can we live in safety. God, keep this nation under your care and guide us in the way of justice and truth. Let your way be known upon earth, your saving health among all nations. Let not the needy, O God, be forgotten, nor the hope of the poor be taken away. Create in us clean hearts, O God, and sustain us with your Holy Spirit. The Collect for Peace. O God, the author of peace and lover of concord, to know you as eternal life, and to serve you as perfect freedom. Defend us, your humble servants, in all assaults of our enemies, that we, surely trusting in your defense, may not fear the power of any adversaries. Through, Christ, through the might of Jesus Christ, our God. Amen. Lord God, almighty and everlasting parent, you have brought us in safety to this new day. Preserve us with your mighty power that we may not fall into sin, nor be overcome by adversity. And in all we do, direct us to the fulfilling of your purpose. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Heavenly Father, in you we live and move and have our being. We humbly pray you so to guide and govern us by your Holy Spirit, that in all the cares and occupations of our life we may not forget you, but may remember that we are ever walking in your sight through Jesus Christ, our God. Amen. God, make us instruments of your peace. Where there is hatred, let us sow love. Where there is injury, pardon. Where there is discord, union. Where there is doubt, faith. Where there is despair, hope. Where there is darkness, light. Where there is sadness, joy. Grant that we may not so much seek to be consoled as to console, to be understood as to understand, to be loved as to love. For it is in giving that we receive, it is in pardoning that we are pardoned, and it is in dying that we are born to eternal life. Amen. Let me share with you a few thoughts that I have on our scripture readings today, and I ask that the Holy Spirit be present in this conversation and illumine the very particular and specific message that each of us needs in this moment, in this day, or perhaps that each of us needs to pass along in this moment, and in this day, in this context, in this place. Well, our psalm today is not one of those where the psalmist is crying out to God, but rather where the psalmist is using the telling of a people's stories to warn them. But maybe caution is a better word, or teach, maybe teach. Warning seems to have some negative connotations, as, as if warnings and threats go close together. But I would hope that you would know what I mean when I say this. <laughs> so 
And the psalmist tells the people their own story, both the story of their ancestors and a cautionary tale that God has always been there to assist us, God's people, humankind. And I'm particularly broadening that. I know that that you could read this as the psalmist specifically speaking about the Israelites, but I believe that this reading in this day, in this context, in this time, is speaking to us about all of God's people, which is all of creation. So God has always sustained and helped and loved all creation. Despite creation's response, not being to meet God in God's love. So, you know, God is doing all these amazing things for the people. He, div- he parts the sea. He feeds them. And yet they still continue to sin against God. And, and take care in this moment, sin to mean whatever it needs to mean to you today, whether it's a transgression of, of any type Um, I would not presume to speak to it and I would say that in your inmost being you have knowledge of whatever it is in this moment that is coming between your meeting God in a cooperative and loving relationship and so that's what I'm speaking to And the caution here is that things (laughs) things go seriously awry when we don't meet God in loving and cooperative relationship. I think there's a great deal, I've spoken on this before with you guys, of personification here, of, of making God kind of smaller and giving God human emotions so that we can conceive of God. I... I have trouble conceiving of an angry God, so it's funny because it does the opposite for me. Um, Perhaps it is because I'm at this place in my life that I can't conceive of God getting angry and smiting people. The only way I can really wrap my head around that is that God might use the circumstances that we have brought upon ourselves to grow us and shape us and transform us. And that sometimes that might look like life going terribly wrong and us suffering. God, I pray that any suffering that I encounter today may be used for your good, that my prayers here may impact the universal suffering and don't know to what purpose creation suffers at all, except that by suffering comes growth. God, let us grow as much in our joy as we do in our suffering and let our joy overpower the suffering. A wise friend said to me today, 
because I said it felt like a couple it feels like regression to me you know what I mean like um, the mental state of anxiety that I've been in and I was like man I have this hard fought peace and this determination to live from faith and love and yet I find myself completely besieged by anxiety and she said you're climbing the same mountain but you're further up and that struck me so much especially because I'm away for work in the mountains of Tucson, Arizona right now and I'm literally saying this because I look out my window and I, I can see some low mountains whether you want to call them smaller mountains or hills either way but it was an apt metaphor for me at that time and so I do trust that as I keep climbing and striving in cooperation with God I will come around to the other side of the mountain and I will feel the warmth and the light and the peace and the security of resting in God that this is not I've not fallen down the mountain this is not a setback But this is a continuing upward climb. And I think our Buddhist brothers and sisters speak about it in the same way, the spiraling upwards toward nirvana. And so let my work be in cooperation with God, pulled along by the mighty tide of the full force of God. May I be within God's will and so ever moving upward and forward. The psalmist ends here with the statement that God remembers that they, God's creation, are but flesh, a wind that passes and does not come again. And I think that speaks to the compassion of God understanding who we are and where we are in this moment. God does not expect more from us than we can deliver. God does not call us to the impossible because all through God is made possible and so sometimes much like a destination seen through the incredibly clear skies of desert country which my hiking guide explained to me yesterday morning means that there's there's no moisture in the air so we can see really clearly here in Arizona. I mean, there is a lot of moisture right now. It's actually raining outside my, my window at the moment. But as compared to other places, there is less moisture in the air so we can see farther because it's, he said, it's in humid environments, it's like looking through a water glass. You know, it's, it's distorted. And it is not here. So just like something can seem so very close and yet far away and our perception can be distorted in many directions as we look toward our goal let us be steadfast that God walks with us every step along the way that our companionship is God and God knows our hearts and our intentions and even when we are mistaken if we are moving with the best of hearts in God's will to the best that we can discern it God is there with us and God will be gracious and God will take the mistake and make good from it so that is my prayer for all of us today that we do our very best to do God's will in every moment and that we accept God's grace to make right the mistakes we make. Amen.
our Old Testament reading, Gehazi runs after Naaman to get something out of him, our verse says, or our reading says. And he basically extorts goods from him, money and clothes. And then he goes back, and Elisha knows. Elisha has the prescient knowledge given to him by God. And Elisha knows, and he visits upon the servant a punishment. I wonder if further along, I don't know if we know here, I don't think it ever comes up again, but I wonder if further along Gehazi is then healed. So he is made leprous and perhaps later he is healed, but instead of instead of joy in the miracle and being part of and present for the miracle, he wanted He wanted money, he wanted wealth, he wanted earthly things. He wasn't striving after the right things. You know, the reward was not. And I understand, like, there's a certain aspect of self-sustenance, right? So there's probably tons of backstory here, right? Did they, but I also, I was about to say, like, did they need it? Um, but I I believe that Elisha is close to God as Elisha was. Like, if if it was within God's will to take payment from Naaman, Elisha would have done it. And I believe that there are other places where Elisha does accept payment. I, I can't say that for sure. I can't call it the verse. I'd have to do a little more research. But I think that, you know, Gehazi acting outside of God's will, not seeking God first, is chasing after the wrong thing. And then he loses out. So God, let us fix our minds, let us fix our sights on, on the true reward and trust you that the rest will not just fall into place, but will be assigned by you at the right place in the right time. And I know that that is so much easier said than done. That our spending habits expand as our budgets do and we live in a culture of more, more, more and I myself have gotten caught up in that. You know, I'm not definitely not throwing stones here. And so I ask, I ask for all of us that, that God help us that we invite God in with us to be present in a moment of recentering and refocusing. And unordering our finances and our goals within God's will. Amen. Because money isn't the goal. It might be a tool that we can use toward goals, but it, it is not the goal, and it should never take precedence over God's will. Our New Testament reading from Corinthians. Um, so the, my commentary here is pretty interesting. It says that 
that the church that had taken no disciplinary action suggested the sinner was a person of high social status. So we're looking the other way for a person of standing. And I agree that 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 is an issue that no matter who we are, standards should be consistent. And then the commentator clarifies that Paul uses this really strong language, but he doesn't actually mean to kill this man. Flesh for Paul does not refer to the human body, but to an instinct towards sin, a way of life unredeemed by the spirit and oriented toward worldly advantages. And that calls back to what we were talking about um, with Elisha and his servant and with Naaman. So it's not about the worldly advantages. It is about the higher spiritual purpose. And we do, the community does this person no favors when they look the other way, when he is engaged in very spiritually damaging behavior. And I don't say that to be judgmental because we're all engaged in spiritually damaging behavior and we must all lift each other up and discerning what is damaging and what is not is very, very difficult and it's also very personal. I think the best we can do is be compassionate and supportive of each other. And, you know, I'm sorry, I just don't, this piece about you are to hand this man over to Satan for the destruction of the flesh so that his spirit may be saved in the day of the Lord. The commentator says that this indicates a punishment that was drastic and permanent such as excommunication. I don't think that casting out people in need from our communities is helpful to them, but I do think that there are times when, for the safety of the community, those who are actively engaged in damaging and hurtful actions must be separated from the community until there is healing that takes place. And I, I believe in restoration and, and reuniting when those things are possible. But for example, um, my son and I left a church because there was a, mem a member of the community that was not safe and he had engaged in actions that were hurtful to other members of the church and to my son and that behavior was not not being checked and I needed that to be a safe place for me and for my son and um, I was told that this person not, could not be asked to uh, attend a different service or in, in other ways separate from us. And so I chose to separate myself and my son from this church. Um, and, and that, I think this situation speaks to that very difficult balance. You want all of, all of humanity, all of God's children to have a place in the church and in the community, but where that conflicts with the safety of other members, how do you handle that? And, and I think that that's a conflict that we must address in each, in each situation. And I do think that I do think that doing nothing and looking the other way is most likely not the appropriate answer. You guys have heard me speak on that before. But I would say like, 
approach with kindness and compassion and an approach where you can people on a personal and human basis you know we're told not to jump to confronting as a group others and I think that that's true too I think where you can where it is safe to do so engage personally and try to understand the context and try to come to solution <laughs> my my son bless his heart um, we were reading over the school rules, and I might have told you this before, so just forgive me. This, you know, beginning of the school year, so the rules for the classrooms and and code of conduct and all that. And he's like, so basically, mom, just don't be a dick. And I'm like, well, I would frame that as be kind and respectful, but if don't be a dick is what helps you to get the point and keep the goal in mind, then yeah, it can pretty much all be summed up in don't be a dick. And actually, many of the world's problems in our workplaces, in our homes, in our communities at large, in our world, in our politics could be greatly helped if everyone would remember that simple admonishment, don't be a dick. So, sorry, I got a little off track there. And then Paul goes on to say, he uses this metaphor about cleaning out the old yeast. And the metaphor is talking about the immorality in the, in the community. And I think that this can be applied really to whatever context we're in. We are continually striving to live new, right? And I'm sure that everybody listening has a goal in mind. You have heard me speak about um, my goal of this season is to step away from the source or rooted place of fear and perceived scarcity and to move into living from a place and to become rooted in this place of faith and love so that all of my actions and decisions and also all of my reactions dwell forth from that wellspring of faith and love so that is the source of what I am giving what I'm giving out what I'm giving back into the world in response to everything that happens and so I am cleaning out and I think this is a very good lesson for me today cleaning out the old yeast so that I can be a new batch so I'm cleaning out all of those old habits and the wired neural pathways in my brain and what I would reach to or reach for in a place of reactiveness, in the place of instantaneous decision-making. God, clear that out, clean that out of me, and set me upright and rooted and drawing from the wellspring of faith and love. Clear out all of the old gunk and settle me firmly in this place of faith and love, that that may be where all the pathways of my brain run from, where all the reactions to stimuli in my environment are sourced from, that everything that I do and I am comes from faith and love. Amen. Lastly, our gospel reading for today, um, Matthew 5. And this reading talks about what I think of in my mind as, as the Mother Teresa progression, that thought precedes action 
and actually it's in my mind I think of it as thought then words then action and so we need God's help in redirecting you know I I'm probably getting this sort of wrong but be compassionate and gracious with me Jesuits who um, are celibate um, some some Jesuits speak of the sublimation of sexual desire so the innate desire um, can be turned either for that which draws us away from God or that which draws us to God, right? Um, in the terms of my spiritual director training, we'd say towards consolation or towards desolation. And And so when misused, very natural, gifted human desires and actions, we talk all the time about fight or flight being great for survival, but not so great in relationship in our modern world, right? Um, can lead us either to consolation or desolation. And so we need to redirect before that path moves from thought to word to action toward desolation. And I believe that we need God's help and the help of the Spirit to do this because it's very powerful, again, back to the reworking and rewiring, but it can all be used in refocus. When we try to um, take the thought and make it nothing, it doesn't work, right? When we try to just destroy it, but when we allow God to transform and redirect it, then the energy becomes sourced towards consolation and actually becomes a force for good and for health. And and so I think here the message becomes even more than cast away from you that which is causing you towards desolation, right? Because it's not saying destroy the whole self, chop off your head because you are looking with eyes of lust, pluck out the eye. And so for me, the metaphor becomes we must cast away or abstain from that which draws us continually into desolation. So for example, to go back to the lust, if we're looking at pornography and that is drawing us into a place of desolation, which I believe pornography pretty much always does. I mean, if you have other experiences with that, I don't mean to dishonor them, um, but, or dishonor you, I guess is a better word of saying that. But as an example, well, don't watch pornography because it leads you into desolation. Cast that away. Pluck it out. But when the natural human desires come up, refocus and redirect them. So, for example, if I see a beautiful woman, I don't have to. I can redirect the lustful thoughts into thoughts of appreciation for her aesthetic beauty and move that energy towards gratitude for God's creating all of us in uniqueness and there being so much beauty in the world to be appreciated and etc. Like we can reform this. And, um, and so I think that's important to do. And then I've got to kind of wrap this up and I, I promise I didn't time it this way, but you know, verse 31 is, is a difficult one. Um, 31 and 32 about divorce and adultery. And here, I don't, I don't think that's valid anymore. 
I think this was an admonition made at a time when women were treated like property and were cast aside for no reason and then left destitute because the way the system was set up, women couldn't support themselves in general. They were supported by their husbands. So this is more an admonition to you and it, it's spoken to you in, in the next few praises, don't swear falsely, carry out the vows you have made. This is an admonition to keep your promises that you as the man have vowed to take care of this woman and you must keep that promise and not just throw her away like used tissue, you know? Um, I think where that translates for us today is in the keeping of promises and vows, not just while it's convenient for us, but to the best of our ability so long as we are able. And I think where it's called into question for me is there does become a time, I believe, in some marriages where the marriage is no longer fruitful, where the relationship is no longer nourishing. And by staying in it, the members of the relationship, having really tried and with good faith tried to do their best, are just continuing to harm themselves, each other, and those around them, perhaps even including children and families. And I no longer, I don't believe that that's a vow that God wants us I don't believe that is the vow that God wants us to keep. I don't believe it. God wants us to be miserable and harmful to each other. I believe God wants us to keep our promises and to do our best. But I also believe there are times and seasons for relationships and that sometimes it is better for the relationship relationship of many kinds to be over and to clean out and begin anew and so I I think the lesson here is in steadfastness and in striving after good and health and God's will first and foremost above everything else and taking that where it leads us and I believe that yes God's will can sometimes lead us to divorce. But I don't think God ever leads us to the mistreatment of, our, of another human being. And that's what casting a woman aside in those days would have been. So it's kind of a eh, note to end on. But let us do this. Let us be steadfast. Let us move forward. When we are shaken, let us remember the places of peace where we have found God and the vows we have made in those places and moments and contexts. And let us move forward from that place of faith and love. Let us not be discouraged. Let us remember that we are on the same mountain but higher up. We are ever climbing closer to God and that God meets us and walks with us in that journey. Every step, God doesn't wait until we reach the top. God is with us and present. God is with us when we slip. God lifts us up. May God lift me and you and all listening up today. May God work God's healing power in and among us. May we be sources of healing in the world. In the holy name of Jesus Christ, all this I pray.
Amen. Almighty God, you have given us grace at this time with one accord to make our common supplication to you, and you have promised through your well-beloved Son that when two or three are gathered together in his name, you will be in the midst of them. Fulfill now, O God, our de desires and petitions as may be best for us, granting us in this world knowledge of your truth, and in the age to come life everlasting. Amen. Let us bless God. Thanks be to God. The grace of Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with us all evermore. We live without fear, for our Creator has made us holy, has always protected us, and loves us as a good mother loves her children. We go now in peace to follow the good road, and may God's blessing be with us always. Amen.